Hey, welcome back to the Making Disciples Everyday Podcast. I'm Jason Dukes. I'm on team with Brentwood Baptist, and my partner in crime, Paul Wilkinson, isn't with us for this particular episode. He is actually on a spiritual retreat day, which is great segue for what we're going to talk about on the next podcast episode, and that's why Sabbath is so crucial for for disciple-making in the everyday, and and so thankful that he has has that opportunity uh, to do that. I am joined today, though, by Roger Severino. Roger, because we're – I'm going to let him actually give the current title that he holds, although I will say that he is, in my opinion, uh, at the risk of flattering him, one of our leading uh, equippers and definitely one of our humble experts uh, in what it means to focus on adult discipleship and disciple making among adults and men and leaders. And I think he does an awesome job of that with our folks and uh, here with the Brentwood Baptist family of churches. And so, Roger, if you don't mind, man, introduce yourself just so those uh, tuning in get a feel for who you are. And then we're going to dive in today to the question about scripture being central to disciples making disciples. But first, Talk about yourself. Tell us a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. And thank you for your kind words. Appreciate your role here at our church as well. Um, yeah, Roger Severino, my title, current title is um, Minister of uh, Leader, Adult Minister of Leadership. I do have some interim roles that I've taken on leading the adult team, leading the um, uh, the ministry residents, directing that right now uh, in the interim. But uh, but been here at Brentwood for 15 years and just uh, delighted to to have the privilege to serve here. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you you um, give a lot of your energy and a lot of your time, not only to studying the scriptures, but helping develop leaders through that, helping to disciple men through that, helping to help to allow helping groups to understand how that's formative in their own lives. So obviously there's reasons why we asked you to focus in on yeah. this topic with us, but, but I'm excited because even the, the disciple making strategy that we all are kind of wrapping our hearts and minds around as, uh, as leaders here, the idea of gospel conversations and groups and going the idea of, you know, believing and following Jesus of, of, uh, of being changed by Jesus and of living on mission with Jesus, those kinds of ideas, we we we've got a, the, kind of a phrase or a um, something that we've got in that strategy that talks about how that is from the outflow of prayer and scripture and Sabbath, and I, I think I think that's dear to your heart based on the conversations you and I have had. Maybe just start by talking yeah. about why. Why did we want that mantra or that idea included explicitly in the way we think about the disciple-making strategy? Absolutely. One of the things that Mike Glenn does a great job uh, with all of our staff is um, he always tells us, you you, you know, um, you have to give out of overflow. He said, mm-hmm. you can't give from an empty bucket. And he warns us as ministers that we can get, go, be so busy about doing the work, even something good like disciple making or anything. And if we're not doing it out of overflow, we're going to burn out and we really don't have anything to give to our people. Yeah. And he often cautions us. That's one of the dangers of, of vocational ministry is doing that. And um, so, yes, it is dear to my heart because I, I believe that. I believe what Mike tells us and warns us that 
we must be a people who are first connected to the vine. You use the analogy Jesus gives in John 15, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That before we can invest in other people, before we can multiply our lives, we must be connected to the vine. We must be getting our spiritual nutrients, our resources, our, our energy. The Holy Spirit must be at work in us. Uh, through prayer, through Bible study, through Sabbath, things like that we that, yeah. that we have mentioned, and so I just I, I think that's absolutely crucial and vital. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And so this current series is focusing on that one week mm-hmm. at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Focusing on prayer, focusing on Scripture, mm-hmm. focusing on Sabbath as an outflow mm-hmm. in the ways that we get to live this disciple making life with Jesus. Yeah. Now, in our last episode, we talked about prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and and prayer and scripture are obviously linked, yeah. right? Like yeah. maybe talk about just for the sake of context yeah. for our folks that are listening, talk about how, why are those two so vital? How are they linked? Like how, how do we kind of think of those in our own formation? Yeah, yeah. I How I think about it and what's been helpful to me is kind of from both ends. So on the, on the front end, as I approach scripture, uh, when I teach some oftentimes about, um, you know, uh, Bible study or how to how to read the Bible, those kind of things, I always try to make the emphasis that number one is begin with prayer. Yeah. Uh, the idea of this isn't simply words on a page to be studied and to be dissected. This is an encounter with the living God. And so one of the best things I can do before opening scripture is put myself in a position where I'm hearing from God, where I'm listening to him, I'm asking him to speak uh, to me through his word, and I'm opening up myself to what he would have to show me uh, through through his word. So I think I think that's definitely one connection. Yeah. The other connection could be that I think uh, scripture also informs our prayer. Um, I haven't always done this, but I have at times done what um, folks like Donald Whitney and others have, have recommended that you actually pray scripture. I yeah. have done that some where I have taken a psalm and I have read a psalm and used that to give language to my uh, to, to my prayers. And maybe I'll begin with the the actual words of the psalm, but then that'll that'll generate other ideas and thoughts in my mind that will keep keep me going in in my prayer time. So I think there are many many ways. Um, you know, as I finish my 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 Bible study, you know, there's that application. Well, part of that is, Lord, help me to live out what you've what I've read this morning. Yeah. And so, uh, I think in many ways, those two disciplines uh, go back and forth and hand in hand. That's awesome. And so, you know, Paul Wilkinson and I were talking about it uh, away from the podcast about how how important listening is mm-hmm. to prayer, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. not just talking. Yeah. And, you know, but we really do not only listen to God, right? right. We want to hear from Him, but we listen for Him too, right? Yeah, and and absolutely. what I love about linking those to Scripture, and I think, and I'm just kind of segueing toward mm-hmm. yeah. the Scripture piece. What I love about that is is that prayer is really what helps me have a posture and a heart and an openness to listening for what God really has to say to me through His Word, right? And so, you know, how. How would you encourage the you know just our members as they're thinking through? Okay, I want to pray better, but then we all of a sudden get that pressure of yeah. maybe I don't know how to pray, or I do, yeah. or I want to read the Bible better, I don't know. But how do we help them kind of take a deep breath yeah. 
and just say, okay, this really is about me relating with the Heavenly Father, like yeah. right, and listening to Him, listening for Him, and both of those prayer and scripture help with that. Yeah. I think one of the things I'm trying to do more in my own life is, you know, I don't know if taking deep breath was more of a metaphorical thing. I, I actually do that literally. I, yeah. I will oftentimes, when I begin pray, I will, you know, put myself in a posture where maybe my, my feet are down. I'm kind of sitting, sitting upright. Maybe I put, have my hands in my lap and I'll actually just breathe in and out. And then often I'm voicing a prayer, but the prayer is more about listening. It's yeah. more about, Lord, what, what do you have for me? Uh, speak to me. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think beginning, uh, our prayer time with that is one of the best things we can do. It's good. Um, some people suggest that, and I just thought of this, so forgive me cause I did not, yeah. I will say uh, I did not prompt Roger yeah. with this question. So, so, uh, uh, but some people, I mean, you said something that made me think, um, that the scriptures, especially the old Testament in particular, is really written in the context of Jewish meditation literature. And I mean, when you think about that, right, like even just the, how powerful it is to just sit and read slowly Mm -hmm. through the scriptures, whether it's slowly reading it as a whole story, Mm -hmm. slowly reading a poem from Psalms, slowly reading, you know, different sections of prose and poetry and all the different elements of what the Bible is made of. But, how do how do you practice that? I mean, like, how do you you just gave us a hint into that? You gave us a glimpse into deep breath, really trying to tune in. Well, how else are you practicing that? As far as man, I really want prayer and the scriptures to be something that's incredibly formative because I really am tuning in to God and what He's up to. Uh, for me, Jason, it, it I go through different seasons. So even though I do put those two together, prayer and Bible study, I. Um, at some level, I kind of think of them somewhat separate too. Sure, sure. So on the prayer side, maybe it, it sometimes it is I spend more time listening. I do have there are things that I like to pray about um, over time, and so I actually have in my prayer journal um, uh, where I have seven days a week and then a daily, so it ends up with eight quadrants on the page, mm-hmm. a Monday through Sunday, then a daily. So my daily is typically my family and those kind of things, and then there's other. I pray for each one of our campuses. You know, they're, they're staff members and 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 uh, extended family members and missionaries and uh, that that I'm praying for on a at least weekly basis. Um, so I try to have some intercessory prayer. I try to have some just contemplative listening prayer. Um, so it, you know, sometimes I do use formulas like pray or acts. You know, acts, yeah, adoration, yeah. confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Pray is. Praise, repent, um, ask, and yield, and each mm. of those has different aspects. Sometimes I'll do that. Most of the time I don't, but I sometimes do that. Sometimes I just freeform, just allow prayer. So it looks differently. And my Bible reading changes. So there's some years I try to read more deeply. Other years I try to read more widely. Sure. So on the widely thing, probably my favorite resource is I follow a plan that uh, D.A. Carson has developed in his two-volume books, um, um, for the love of God, and, and I, I do it over two years, um, uh, Bible reading plan that takes you through the New Testament twice, Old Testament once, through the Psalms twice, uh, read it and, and see some of his commentary. This year, I decided to read more deeply, and so I'm taking a little bit slower passages. Um, I'm trying to keep up with my Greek, so I'll actually you know use some resources to, to translate directly. 
Um, so, and that forces me to slow down yeah. because my Greek's obviously not as good as my English. <laughs> so it forces me to slow down and, and really, uh, get a little deeper. So it, I try to, uh, for me, I try to, I find variety is helpful. Yeah. It keeps it from getting too stagnant. So good. those are some thoughts. That's great. That's yeah. great. And I hope, I'm, I'm sure, I know for me hearing all that is not only a fresh reminder, but just a great challenge for whatever that consistency is. It doesn't have to become mundane or routine. It can be different, like you're saying. And mixing mixing it up is probably even more helpful to keeping us tuned in. And so those are all awesome ways that Scripture is used to help us in our growth and as a disciple of Jesus. The question I threw out to you as we were coming onto this podcast was, so Scripture, why why is it so central Mm -hmm. to making disciples Mm -hmm. with Jesus? Why is it so central to everyday disciple making? And so we know we can read Scripture, we can pray to grow as a disciple of Jesus. How does that then become critical meaningful, mm-hmm. central to what we do as disciple makers yeah. with Jesus. So let's talk about yeah. that for a few sure, minutes. Share sure. some of the thoughts you had on yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you did prompt me with that question. So I, I did jot down a few things. And, and so I kind of had three things, and we can talk about those as much or as little uh, as we want. But the first one's a little bit obvious, is that we wouldn't even know why or how to make disciples apart from Scripture. And sure. that's kind of obvious, but let's let's think about that. Yeah. Um, if 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 we're a disciple making church and that's what we're wanting to do to to help our people know that they are disciples of Jesus who make disciples with Jesus, well, how do we come up with that or how do we even have that idea? Well, I mean, it's it's it seems obvious, but let's go ahead and say it. It, it comes from Scripture. Yeah, right? why, totally why, yeah, sure. right. So so why do we do that? We we look in the Scripture. We see. I mean, the most obvious one, of course, would be the Great Commission. Jesus telling his disciples after the resurrection, before his ascension, saying, "Hey, go." And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so, so obviously, Scripture is is gives us the why, and it gives us the how. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think we're allowed to have certain creativity. Certainly, twenty first century uh, Western world is different than first century Palestine, but still. I think there are principles that we look to in Scripture for how we do that. We look at Jesus. We look at his life. We look at how we walked along with with the 12, with um, with the three, with the crowds. Um, we see Paul and, and, and his own life and, and maybe how he walked alongside of, of Barnabas and Barnabas with him. And then, of course, later on, we see his relationship with Timothy and, yeah. you know, even some instructions he gives Timothy. Hey, the things that you've heard and seen me do among many witnesses— Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So scripture in so many ways gives us examples as as we look at the early church in Acts and then even specific uh, ways that Paul is telling another church leader, here's here's the principle. Here's Here's how you do it. Think about looking for faithful people who will then be able to teach others also. And so... Um, so the first thing that has to be said is that the only way that we even know why we make disciples or how to make disciples is Scripture. So it's absolutely essential for that. Um, secondly, what do you have any questions about that before well, I move no, on? I was just going <laughs> to affirm you. I mean, I, I think I think like you said, right? It, it's, it's possible that we could say that's obvious, but I don't know how obvious mm-hmm. it really is, right? I mean, you and I've talked about before how. If I'm if I'm working with pastors on just the idea of how do you help have a disciple making culture, right? Like, you know, one of the first things I'll do is just say to them before the meeting, like before I come to that training, 
take some time to to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just to notate how Jesus did make disciples, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a simple exercise, right. and yet I'm always amazed, and I shouldn't be, I guess, after these this many years, but I every time I give that that assignment, I feel like I come to the next time we're together and and multiple times the comment is made, okay, I've just not ever taken the time to notice how he did that, how he walked with them, what he did with them, how, right? And so I think you're exactly right. I think it is obvious, but it's not obvious, yeah, right? And I right. think I think for some of our folks listening, it, it maybe that is a great first step, mm-hmm. right? Like notice, right? Just take right. notice of how Jesus, how Paul, how Peter, how John, and we can go on and on you know, of how they, what did they do? Like, not just what did they teach, right? Because well, that's just as important of a question. Sure. But but what did they do? What was the environment, the context of their teaching? So I affirm that. I think yeah. it's, I think it's so significant that that is the first one that you mentioned, because even though it is obvious, it really isn't as obvious as we we think it would be because we just haven't taken the time. Yeah. I think in so many cases, we've been so busy in our own set traditional programs or the things we're used to or the ways we saw people do it back. And so that's how we do it now. And, or we say, we've always done it this way. Right. But we, but we don't stop and say, but what, what are the script? Like, what did Jesus actually do as a disciple maker himself? Because he was. And so I think that's fantastic. I just want to affirm that, um, that even though, yeah, just like you said, even though it is, maybe it's not as obvious as we think. Absolutely. Yeah. And the second thing I wanted to say is that there's strong evidence that meaningful engagement with Scripture is the number one predictor of life change and spiritual growth. Hmm. So let me say that again. There's strong evidence that meaningful engagement with Scripture is the number one predictor of life change and spiritual growth. So when I say strong evidence, what do I mean? There's Two surveys that I know about, one conducted by LifeWay, the other one conducted by Willow Creek uh, through uh, the Reveal study. Both of them surveyed, between the two of them probably surveyed tens of thousands of churchgoers and Christians. And so so this isn't a small sample. It's a very large sample that both of these, uh, that these groups did. And they came to the same conclusion that among the many things that a Christian can do, that the the one thing that was the number one predictor of, of life change, spiritual growth, was meaningful engagement with Scripture on a regular basis. And by regular, I think they were talking about like, you know, four times a week, five times a week, that kind of a thing on, on an ongoing daily basis. Doesn't mean you don't ever skip but uh, skip a day, but but on a, on a regular basis. Now, for me, that's not self-evident. Yeah. You know, I, earlier I said obvious. This is not obvious to yeah. me. For yeah. example. Uh, if if I didn't know the the results of the data, I could have thought prayer. I mean, certainly, should prayer be the number one indicator? I mean, somebody who prays, I would think that might be the number one indicator of somebody who's growing. Um, I might have guessed somebody who's sharing their faiths, yeah. evangelism. I would have thought maybe that's the number one. Surely, if people are talking to others about Jesus, that's the number one predictor. So I say all that to say we hear that when you think, oh, that makes sense. To me, I don't think that was obvious yeah. um, that two different groups would survey that many thousands of people and say that, hey, we both came up with the same um, greatest predictor of, of, of really life change and spiritual growth. So I think that's very key that 
if we are making disciples, what are we making? We're not making, you know, it's been said, we're not making converts. We're not making people just to make a decision. We are making, you know, using Jesus' words. Once again, let's go back to scripture. He says, yeah. teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Well, sure. where do you find what he's that's, commanded? That's right. You find that's that right. in scripture. And so um, I think that's pretty fascinating. So if we're going to make disciples, then... Um, then obviously that needs to be uh, engaging in scripture needs to be true for my own life, but then also uh, in the lives of those that I'm, I'm hoping to decide. Man, I love that. And I, I, I was, I was talking with, with a, a leader yesterday and the idea of how significant embodiment of the scriptures, in other words, not only I'm studying the scriptures, right? Because you and I both know, sure. and I've even heard you say, I think yeah. this isn't just, Oh, I had a Bible study, right? Like, like that, it's not that, right? Like we almost have made that into something that Jesus never intended, which was a check mark, right? Sure. Like we, yeah. Oh, I signed up for a Bible. Well, that's not yeah. what it's intended yeah. to be. You, yeah, yeah. you know, but what I love about what you're saying is if I really yield myself mm-hmm. to the scriptures, if I say, okay, Jesus, you are authority, like the yes. Great Commission says, all authority has been given to you. And so what you teach should become the defining informative element of my life. Absolutely. Right? So now I'm not just being enlightened yeah, that's right. by the scriptures. I'm embodying those scriptures. So I agree with you. I think yeah. I think I think the more our folks can understand, it's almost and I, I hate to say this because it sounds like we're we're getting all philosophical or or and I don't mean philosophical in the good way that Paul would if he was here, but I mean we're not just saying this from an anthropological standpoint, but like Eastern thinking versus Western thinking, right? Like all the guys I ever talked to that do missions in Eastern cultures, mm-hmm. they will say almost to a T. In fact, I think everyone I've ever talked to and asked this question to, I think a hundred percent of them have said what I'm about to say. I've asked them, I've asked many of them the question, what was so helpful in helping someone change like their life change toward Jesus. Right. And Every one of them, affirming the two studies that you, mm-hmm. every one of them said they read the scriptures and decided it was the truth. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. in Eastern yeah. thinking, right, that's not just enlightenment. That is, well, if it's the truth, I'm going to live it. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's a, that's a great point, Jesus, because obviously, you know, you and I have both said it's not about information. It's about transformation. Yeah. Uh, of course, we see, I think you and I have talked about this as well, too. You, you see maybe negative examples in scripture of the Pharisees and others who probably know the Bible better than you and I do and who often were rebuked by Jesus. So we understand that head knowledge of scripture is, is, is not the goal, that it's meaningful engagement in a way that the Holy Spirit is applying it to our lives and we're being transformed more into the image of Christ. And so absolutely, I would agree with that. Well, and it's fun too, because I think we're in a season when we want to see groups thrive more and more. We've had lots of groups. I think our leaders have done a great job establishing groups. And and as we look ahead, and as Mike has been saying, we've got lots of people that are not a part of mm-hmm. our church family that are moving into the area, and they're not a part of groups that may not even be on their radar. Mm-hmm. Although I would say what is on their radar is they do want community. I do think yeah. that that's a value yeah. that a lot of people hold. And so, but community that's built around the embodiment of the scriptures, yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I'm hearing you say is, that's what's transforming, right? Yeah. That's what changes us. That's yeah. what helps us. And so that is huge yeah. when it comes to living a disciple-making life. Absolutely. And the danger is a lot of times one of two things can happen that that I would, would be another caution is that um, 
you know, sometimes we go into these groups and we want to be spoon fed and we want the teacher to do all the work for us. Well, that's uh, that's better than nothing, I guess, sure, in terms sure. of, you know, uh, but but that's not, you know, that's not what this this survey was talking about. It's talking about people on their own are not relying on their teacher or their pastor. Yeah. They're doing yeah. it themselves. Um, and, and then the second one would be that part of applying it to our lives is that um, it's more than just, um, uh, you know, moral living because Christianity, you know, That's following right. Jesus is not just moralism. So yeah. it's so part of applying it to our lives is that we are uh, ministry minded, that we are looking beyond ourselves to reach others uh, because that's always the the danger that, you know, I've talked about is that it, it can stop short of that. So it is part of that transforming work of the scripture is that it's, it's, it's allowing it to be outflow in our lives that we're looking beyond ourselves and, and to, to minister to others. So that's great. That's, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. The third thing I'd say, and this it kind of relates to number two, it's just on the heels of number two, is scripture is the primary resource we give to new disciples or, or, or new believers, right? Yeah. So, so let, let's say that we're walking with someone um, and maybe a neighbor, maybe it's a, a colleague at work or something, and, and we're having gospel conversations, and lo and behold, that person actually comes at some point comes to faith in Christ, sure. which is our prayer, right? That's, we pray we for that. that. We love that, right? That's, we, right. Uh, that's of course it's God's work. We pray for opportunities and we ask for discernment. We have courage to ask for the to to for for God to help us to to enter into those conversations. But you know, sometimes we're we're um we have the joy of seeing the harvest of that and seeing people come to faith in Christ. Well, what is it that we give them? Well well there's lots of things we give them. Certainly we Hopefully, are give them our example. You're not perfect. I'm. I'm certainly not. But hopefully, I'm an example of of a, someone who's seeking Christ. Um, we give them maybe something to model. We certainly give them our love and our support and all that. But ultimately, we give them something even beyond what we can personally embody. We give them a resource that they can take with them, which is Scripture. Now, yeah. we could say we give them Jesus. We give them all these things, and that's absolutely true. But how are they going to develop that relationship with That's Christ? Right. How are they going to know who he is? Who is this Jesus we're driving them to? Uh, well, the greatest resource we can give them is Scripture, because not just because it's a book, the ink on the page, but because in we believe that in as as we open up the scripture that it is sharper than any you know as hebrews talks about it, sharper than any any two-edged sword that it's living and it penetrates the heart and that god uses it to bring life and conviction and and joy and and shows us how we encounter christ and and uh and the holy spirit i think works through his word to to bring it to life and so um that's basically when we're making disciples Scripture um, is not only what commands us and shows us how and why to do it, but then it also becomes the primary tool or resource that we would then pass on to a new believer to say, hey, as as you grow and as you share your faith with others, this is going to be the primary thing that you're going to look to. That's so awesome. I, I think uh, I think those are those are three of the things I thought I thought about that boy how, how scripture relates to disciple making it shows us the how and the why it is the shown to be demonstrably the primary thing that God uses along with other things of course to to bring about life change uh, and then thirdly it is it is the tool the resource that we offer to to a, a new disciple a new believer and, and, and to, to give them what they can walk in life with I love that I love that and 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 I'm 
I don't feel like I'm speculating when I say this. I hear you say those three things and they, they correspond directly with, there's three questions I always encourage my kids to consider, um, the ones who can read, at least I've got one that just learned to read and one that doesn't know and five that do know how to read, but those five that know how to read, what I've consistently encouraged them with, Hey, anytime you read scripture, ask these three questions, right? And, and they're not from me. They're, yeah. they're guess where they're from, from scripture, right? Yeah. Like, so, 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 um, uh, which is what we're talking about today, but those questions are, you can sum them up with love God, love people, make disciples, uh-huh. right? So no matter what part yeah. of the Bible you're reading, sure. Ask the question, similar to how Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang. Yeah. You know, he's explaining to Emmaus, the guys to him walking to Emmaus, and their hearts burn within them as he opens up the law and the prophets to them. And it's almost like he's opening up to them. Here's God's love for you. You know, how are you going to love him? How are you going to respond to that love? Here's his command for us to love neighbor, a neighbor. Um, how will we lay our life down? What's the selfishness? that might need to be confessed in our lives and who's someone else we can encourage with this, who's someone else we can give this to. And, and that's what you're saying, right? I mean, as, as we make disciples, scripture shows us more of who God is and how he does, did it, which is because we, we've really been invited on this disciple making life with him. And it shows us more about ourselves. And then it shows us how some, it gives us a tool to give to someone else. And, and I agree with you. I, I, over the years, I got away from, giving a book to people who are new believers and instead giving them those three questions and then encouraging them to read two or three different sections of the, of the scriptures as a whole old Testament, new Testament, and, um, and then walking with them through that. Right. Cause then that's something they can turn right around and give to someone else. It's not just some tool that's blinked back to who we are or what we're doing, but something they can take with them wherever they go. Excellent. I love love those three. What are what are some just closing thoughts? Yeah. I mean, we'll wrap up here. You know, you're you're thinking about those who are listening or tuning into this episode, mm-hmm. and um, they're processing. Okay, I, I know I'm supposed to read scripture. Mm-hmm. I hear you saying we're supposed to make disciples. I'm trying to understand how those go together. What are just maybe even one or two encouragements, closing thoughts, highlights? Even even mm-hmm. if it's something we've said, we're done. Yeah. He's a good teacher. Yeah, right. Highlights that you would want to leave with folks. As we sure, sure. Things. Well, you know, um, I, I guess my encouragement would be to uh, start somewhere. If if you're kind of new to scripture, that's that's fine. If if the Bible's kind of a a book you don't know too much about, um, you know, begin somewhere. I usually when people ask me where I'd begin, I you know, even though there there's in some, some value to starting at the beginning and with Genesis because you can kind of see the unfolding story, um, that's that's sometimes a hard way to go. And so I, I often will encourage people to maybe even begin with the Gospels and uh, Mark uh, is a great place. John is a great guy. They're all obviously all four are, are fantastic places to start. And then you know there may be some mixing in of Old Testament, New Testament as as you've mentioned. Um, of course, Acts. You learn about the early church, and of course, Paul's writings. And um, but uh, but but begin somewhere. You know, it, uh, one chapter a day, or even half a chapter a day, is is a great start. If you're somebody who's been reading scripture for a while, and you're looking for different things. You know, um, 
you know, I mentioned a resource before. Probably my favorite one is is following along with that two volumes by D.A. Carson called For the Love of God. It's a great way to not only have a plan. I like using it as a two-year plan as opposed to a one-year plan. Um, it's a great plan. Uh, it also, you get somebody who you get a single page of, of a guy who's a great scholar who gives you just some thoughts on one of the passages you're reading and really helps you begin to think through uh, not only theologically, but practically. And then how does this maybe passage fit into the uh, th- th- the larger story of scripture? He's, he's really good at, at helping with that. Um, but start somewhere and then, then, you know, maybe get with some other folks. I know some of our ministries are doing a lot of Bible reading groups where they'll just get people just to yeah. three or four people together just to read a portion of scripture. And they ask certain questions. I, and you use your three questions. I think they're great. Some of the ones that I use in that context, and I use often when even teaching is, hey, what did you like about this story? Yeah. Or second one would be, you know, what disturbed you about the story or you didn't understand? Uh, a third one would be, what do you learn about God or Jesus? Uh, what do you learn about people from this? And yeah. then how, what do you want to walk away and a- apply? Or how, how do you think God is calling you to respond to what you've read today? Yeah. You know, I think those are, I think I, I think that was five, five yeah, questions. Was, uh-huh. um, those are great ones. Uh, personally, as well as even teaching, I, I find those to be really helpful. It gets people engaged. Sure. Um, and really thinking through uh, a passage, asking those five questions. It's great. Like even you said earlier, don't just get in a group with a master teacher who talks for 60 minutes, right? You'd think you'd be, it'd be better to be in a yeah. group like that where you're having a conversation around those questions than just someone who is opining about yeah. the background of Matthew, which again is not a bad right. thing. Sure, 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 sure. We're not saying sure. that. Right, we're, right, right. But we're talking about, you know, in the context of how are we learning this together? Yeah. How are we living this together? How are we giving this to someone else? And so I think that's really healthy. Well, man, thank you for your time today. And thank you again for what you do. And and I hope uh, for those of you that have tuned in that this has been encouraging to you and um, this is just our seventh episode and and in this podcast for this podcast and so so far it's been awesome just to hear some of the feedback I've gotten from people and appreciate you if you do have feedback Paul and I always at the end of each say our emails are jdukes at brentwoodbaptist.com his is p wilkinson at brentwoodbaptist.com can certainly send us rebukes and slanders and encouragements or whatever send all the rebukes to Paul but all that to say um, we're thankful that you're tuning in share this with someone if you feel like it would be something that would encourage them and we do hope that as you're reading scripture not only will it be meaningful to you and I know it will Roger knows it will we know that God's word will be meaningful to you but I know that it'll be even more meaningful to you as you begin to share it with someone else yeah. and they begin to see the life, the abundant life with with Jesus that you're experiencing. And so we encourage you to do that. So next episode is going to be on Sabbath. And I'm really hoping that not only will you tune in, you'll share it with some others, because um, I think we all, if we're honest, can admit that Sabbath is not something we do well in the American church. And And so um, I'm hoping that how it not only helps each of us, but how it is crucial to disciple making will be a meaningful conversation. That's what we're looking to next week. So look forward to talking with you again next week and we'll uh, see you then. 